Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. I was a little delayed on my applause there today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 76. 76. We are, we're here. Another week has come and gone. It has. Yes. It's been, I feel like this week has gone by super fast with, yeah. Hi, we're Whiskey and Wonder. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you were about to jump into the uh, open segment. I was going to, and then I realized, wait, we're not there yet. We're Whiskey and Wonder, as you saw on the screen uh, on YouTube. I'm Tyler. That over there is Megan. Hi. I'm ahead of the game. Yes, she's, it seems like something's on your mind, so I, I imagine that'll come out in the open segment. So. It will. Uh, so we are Whiskey and Wonder every week. Tyler and I get together, we review a whiskey, and we teach the other something that has made us wonder. Um, and that's our shtick. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, you know, we've we've done 75 episodes now and drank a lot of good whiskey and learned a lot about a lot of Neat interesting things. and yeah, yeah lots of stuff. So lots of interesting stuff I've learned. Yeah. Some great whiskey I've drank and some awful whiskey I've drank. Uh, I would say the good definitely outweighs the, 100%. We've only had a handful that we were like, this is disgusting. Don't buy. That's very I don't true. Even, I don't even want to say we said don't buy it, but you know. Yeah. Okay. We, we may or may not have said that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been fun. 75 episodes. Yeah. Here's to 750 more, however many. 750,000 more. There you go. Yeah. Um, so we'll jump into the announcements. Nothing really new. Um, if you go to whiskeyandwonder.com, check out our store. We've still got the glasses with the Whiskey and Wonder logo on it. I actually was consuming from one earlier today. Um, so I'll touch a little bit on that in the open segment, I'm sure. Uh, so if you want to get some merch, check that out. Um, we do have the Patreon set up. There's a couple different tiers. Um, we're always brainstorming on new stuff to add to that. Uh, right now we've got a $2 a month tier and you can vote on what goes in the infinity bottle. We're doing one for bourbon and one for whiskeys. I'm sorry, <laughs> one for bourbon and one for scotches, scotch whiskeys. Um, if you don't know what an infinity bottle is, real quick, it is uh, basically your own blend. You put, it's supposed to be, or, or typically it's two ounces of what you like in there, and it all blends together and makes your own homemade blend. And so we're going to do one of those for bourbons, one of those for scotches. Unfortunately, though, we've been on a bourbon kick lately. We have. We have uh, several bourbons. Yep. So we've got several bourbons since we announced the infinity bottle uh, that have been voted in. By the patrons, uh, you can, like I said, go to patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder and sign up for that. It's $2 a month to vote. And then we have a 5 and $10 tier. You can get early access to episodes, get a free sticker, stuff like that. Um, so if you, you want to help us out, help us support the show, that's one way you can do it. Uh, I mentioned there's some other stuff that the other tiers get. One of those is going to be Whiskey Wednesdays where we'll do like a hangout session and drink whiskey uh, virtually, you know, shoot the shit, so to speak. And so that'll be for, uh, one tier of our patrons. We haven't, we're still brainstorming that idea, trying to figure out everything. Um, but we are teasing it now. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, go sign up on Patreon. I believe it's probably going to be for the either five or $10 a month subscription. 
options. So um, other than that, uh, I want to take a moment, and I'm sure Megan does as well, to shout out to all the moms out there. It is Mother's Day. We're recording on, on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to my mom, Megan's mom, and everybody else that's a mom out there. Yeah, uh, definitely. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Yep. Um, if you want to check us out on social media, good luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have zero presence, basically, at this point. Um, yeah, social media is just not really our thing. Yeah. Um, but we do have accounts that will occasionally get posted on. Yeah, occasionally being very occasionally. Um, but you can check us out at whiskeyandwonder.com. You know, you can check out the, we record every episode and then we upload it to YouTube as well. Um, not just, you know, audio, we put a video up so you can see us, see our reactions in real time. Um, you can check that out. Just search whiskey and wonder on YouTube right now. We don't have a custom custom URL yet. We need to hit like a thousand subscribers and a certain number of listens and stuff like that. So we're working towards that goal. Uh, so if you want to subscribe on YouTube, that would help us out a ton. Hit the like bell and oh yeah, I can make these things come up on the screen. Um, I always forget about those. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patreon is patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder, as I mentioned. And if you want to just reach out, we haven't done our mail time segment in a long time because nobody is reaching out to us. No one emails us. Um, yeah. A matter of fact, I think the last email we got was from Papa Bill to me talking about RVs. <laughs> so I don't, I didn't feel like I should read that one on, on here. Um, but that, if you want to reach out, it's contact at whiskey and and everything else, all the social medias and all that stuff that we're never on is in the show notes or in the description of the video. Um, and last thing before we dive too much into today's episode is just thanks everybody for your support and your donations. Uh, we've got, you know, everybody that's on the Patreon, we've got a, nice little group that really helps us out. We've been getting a lot of a lot more listens on a lot of older episodes, which is really cool. Yeah, um, thank you guys for sure. So, just want to say thanks to everybody that supports us whether that's by listening or financially donating, subscribing to the Patreon, donating whiskeys, telling your friends, liking, subscribing, reviewing, all that stuff helps. 100%. So, if you haven't done it, please do it. Please. You know, I know that's a click in the audio, but the YouTube, there was a gesture with it. <laughs> um, so I guess on that note, let's go ahead and jump into the open segment. The open segment. All right. Well, Tyler, I'm going to assume that you have not been paying any attention at all to the Johnner, Johnner, <laughs> to the Johnny Depp uh, and Amber Heard Kate lawsuit, have you? Couldn't care less. Okay. That is what has been on my mind and why I messed up starting. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. Because I have been following it very, very uh, religiously, um, l- learning lots of things um and just um 
100%. I support victims of domestic violence. I know what it's like, um, and men can be just as abused as women can be. So I am on Johnny Depp's side after seeing all the evidence he has presented. Uh, I do feel like he was the victim in their marriage, um, though it was not a healthy marriage just kind of around the board. Um, But the more this is going on, the more I am just hating Amber Heard as a person. Um, I hope that she never gets another acting job. I hope she, like, has to resort to teaching, like, some backwoods theater class for, you know, $15,000 a year. Like, I am so flabbergasted on the evilness of this woman. It's just mind-blowing. Literally the only thing I know is that she shit in the bed. (laughs) I could not care less about these famous people in their lives. <laughs> uh, I guess you can call me a heartless asshole. I don't know. I just, I mean, problems with the rich and famous. Whoa. Here's the world's smallest violin. I'll, I'll play it in the microphone. <laughs> Johnny Depp went some, through some serious abuse. Sure. Um, why I, I do care. I don't think, I don't think anyone, the richest person in the world deserves to, have their significant other like cut off part of their finger. Um, just lots of, lots of bad, horrible things. I think a big part of it for me is I'm the type of person. I don't want anybody in my life, so I don't give two shits about anybody else's life. Even, fair. even my next door neighbor, that's not my business. Yeah. Okay. That's not fair. my business. I'm not getting involved. All right. That's so, fair. Um, what else has been going on? Um, I mean, God, other than that, um, it's just been work all week. Um, I, I literally have nothing else to say. Yeah. Just work and Johnny Depp. Work and Johnny Depp. That's been my life this week. Well, mine's, if you take away Johnny Depp, that's about been my life. Um, (laughs) I worked, worked my nine to five every day. I worked, um, Saturday, worked an event for the brewery. It was a fun event. Got to uh, meet a lot of really nice people at the um, North Carolina Music and Brew Festival, I think is what it was called. Um, apparently, they hadn't done it because of COVID. They hadn't done it since 2019, and there was a quite a quite a big turnout. So cool. got to meet a lot of people, which for me is... Uh, awful? No, it's not awful. I can... I can muster up the strength about once a week to put on a happy face and, you know, entertain strangers. I just, I, I found that I, I do enjoy doing the events a lot. I'm not going to say a lot more, but I, it's a nice change of pace from being behind the bar dealing with drunk idiots. Now I get to deal with drunk idiots for, you know, 30 seconds while I pour their beer and they walk away to their wherever they're listening to music or whatever they're doing at their event, they're walking around instead of the drunk idiot coming up to the bar 17 times. And well, maybe not 17, but you know, you get what I'm saying. And I get they, what you're saying. They come up to the bar a billion times and then they go over to their table and they're loud and obnoxious and are yelling and cutting up with their friends and have their kids running around. Children, children, kids. I don't, um, 
you know, to each their own, but I really don't think a child needs to be at a brewery, especially one that doesn't serve any type of food. Uh, we serve food. Well, we don't no, serve you food, don't. but we have, you have a food truck. We have a permanent food truck. They're always there. Yeah, but that does not count. I but, mean, it's literally always there. It's all, it's open almost the exact hours the brewery is. That's, I, it does not count. There should not be children there. Say that to every brewery in the area. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, but I also, I see it from the perspective of that turns a lot of people away. So that turns a lot of business away. So can't, uh, even if you want to grumble and complain. I, I just want to shame the parents. The well, shame the parents. Like you guys don't need to go to a brewery if you have children. You can spend uh, time with your children sober. Uh, it's not even that. It's not even that I see families spending time with kids while they're drinking. It's that multiple, like, like couple friends get together that have kids and the kids run around like little assholes while the parents drink and catch up and have fun. That the problem is that people don't control their children. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, that that's what my frustration is. I don't yeah. care if you want to bring your kids, how, you know, just keep them in line. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, how we have soda and all sorts of drinks like fruit punch and shit like that for kids that come in, like we cater to kids. We have games they can play. Yeah. You know, no how reason for them to be running around like an idiot. Yeah. I mean, hell, we've even had like one and two year old birthday parties there before. <laughs> I mean, that's great if you're a parent, they're not going to fucking remember. Yeah. So, um, so I did that. We uh, played trivia this week, came in third place, even mm-hmm. though we could barely hear the guy. It was a different guy than normal. Our, uh, the normal host was on vacation, and the other guy was in the mic like this. You couldn't hear him. So if you guys, uh, it didn't really, I've got our sound set up a lot better than he had his, so he was just had the mic right up this in his mouth. Yep. Awful. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think what else has happened this week. It's all a blur. Everything's been a blur since uh, for about 2020. No, no, it's been a blur for about the past two months. Um, we lost a, a member of, of my team at, at my day job, my nine to five, and I've had to pick up a lot of the slack, and it's... Wearing you down? It, 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 yeah, it's wearing me down, but not only that, it's just like, it's just so... I, I wasn't familiar with a lot of stuff that she was running, and a lot of stuff she did. And so I've had to just, I was thrown into the fire. Like, it's like you don't get trained or you get trained once by somebody that ran it 10 years ago, you know, and things have changed and we're, we're both learning it together. And then it's like, all right, I I got, I don't have time to go out with you every single time. I mean, they're, they're nice enough to offer it, but you know, I know their plates, they, they, they inherited more of the, uh, I don't want to say important, work but like the the behind the scenes work that she did like mm-hmm. a lot of data analysis and stuff like that so they spend a lot of computer time and so i know if i have to drag them out in the field with me that's yeah, they're getting was, less time to it do was it was yeah you know they're stressed out as well so i don't want to take my stress and put it off on somebody else so um but it's been about two months now and i'm getting pretty comfortable um, we had some machines kind of give us some issues there and 
finally got all that sorted out and caught back up. So now it's starting to level out and I'm getting getting more and more comfortable every day. So nice. It's um um yeah, I just I'm other than that, I've been trying to watch Yellowstone. Have you ever watched Yellowstone? Did you ever watch it? I have not watched Yellowstone. I've had several people tell me I should watch Yellowstone. So maybe if you like it, I'll I'll watch it. Maybe. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. I enjoy it. I just don't know if you would like it. Okay, fair. It's. Um. I. I, I can summarize it like this. Take. Breaking Bad, or I never watched it, but I'm assuming Son of Anarchy. Okay. Or yeah, I mean, I like, like both of those, and make it okay. Then you might like it. Then make it Cowboys. Um, not okay. not so much drug involved, um, but just like the drama series. Yeah. Of like eh, I, I like it. It wasn't what I was expecting when I got into it, but you know, it's enjoyable but it's just not i don't feel like it's very realistic at all and i guess none of these shows really are now that you know once you start thinking about them but um i know we are starting to burn into our time a little bit but i do i do have a couple more things to add that i totally forgot about yeah go ahead um a big thing uh we did go and see dr strange in the multiverse of madness which was absolutely phenomenal what is that um it is the newest marvel movie and I know Tyler gives zero fucks, but yep. maybe someone listening uh, yeah, I know. does. So I'm not going to give away any spoilers or anything, but if you literally don't want to hear a damn thing about Doctor Strange, like fast forward 30 seconds. Um, Starting now. Yep. <laughs> so this is the very first Marvel movie that is a pure horror movie, basically. Oh, interesting. Um, it's unlike any, like, Marvel movie we've seen so far, it was very dark, very twisted, very gritty. Um, lots of extremely scary imagery, jump scares, um, things like that made me really uncomfortable. So it was so cool and such a cool experience. And like, good job, Marvel. Keep up, keep on, you know, testing boundaries and changing things around and, you know, keep keeping us on our toes. That was awesome. So highly recommend uh, anyone go... Go see Doctor Strange. Do not bring children to this movie. This is not a child-friendly Marvel movie. This is dark, and it is gritty, and your children will have nightmares. I was just about to say, take your kids if you want to give them nightmares. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, didn't you, did you have another thing? Because I thought of something else, too. Okay. All then I was going to say, you should check out Outer Range. Um, I have seen that pop up, and I am... Interested, but I'm also concerned that it's going to be a similar premise to Yellowstone where it's like completely unrealistic. It, okay, yes, but it's good. And okay. it's only six episodes, six episodes, I believe. I'll have to put that on the list. There's six I'm, or eight episodes. I'm about halfway done with Yellowstone, so I'll have to put that on the list. It was um, good. The other thing I forgot is uh, Shelby and I, along with some other friends, have got tickets. If you're a long-time listener, you know that Megan and I, last year, a lot. We haven't so much this year, but we've, we're baseball fans. We've talked a little bit about our teams and what's going on. And uh, I'm a Braves fan, if you don't know. And we bought tickets to go down to Atlanta. 
uh, a weekend in June. So when? Uh, hold on. Okay. Don't tell me. June the eleventh. Damn. Yep, we're going. Uh, we bought. We bought eight tickets. We're going with four or three sets of friends that are from our trivia group. So nice. it's it's one of their one of their teams. They're uh, they're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, and one of them's a big Pirates fan. Uh huh. So we're they were like, hey, yeah, we should go to the game. And I looked it up. I get a discount through my job on tickets. Nice. And I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It, it, I get about a th- I get them for about two thirds of what they normally cost. I mean, any discounts? Yeah, like worth yeah, it. Yeah, we're sitting field level. Um, that's nice. Right at the, right at the where the, we're sitting third base side, right where the uh, bleachers kind of end and the outfield starts, and we're field level. So, all right, that's cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, we're gonna try, try to be back in time to do. Whiskey and Wonder that weekend, but we'll see. Yeah, understandable. Um, damn, like the the weekend before, um, whatever that first weekend is in June, I don't know if it's before the 11th or if there's one weekend and then another and then the 11th. No, it's the 7th. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at May. Yeah, that's the 4th and 5th, and then the next weekend's the 11th. Okay. Uh, Houston and I are talking about going down to Atlanta yeah. for our anniversary oh, on nice. June 1st. Um, I am dying to go to the Georgia Aquarium. Like, that is something I want to do so bad. Um, so bad that it hurts. So Somebody, was it you that was telling me about that? That it's a really nice aquarium? Uh, might Some, have been. Somebody was. I've been talking about it a lot because I really want to go. Okay. So it very well could have been me. Um, so we're talking about going. The only problem is, is Houston's sister um, is due to have her baby on June 7th. And it is a very, it could be a very dangerous, complicated mm. birth. Um, so we're, we don't know if uh, we're going to go to Atlanta um, or hang out, but well, we'll see. If you guys can't go that weekend, there's always another weekend. That's true. So I That's hope true. everything goes smoothly with the childbirthing. Yeah, me too. The gremlin birthing. Crotch goblin. Yes, that's what it was, crotch goblin. Yes. Sorry, I'm not calling. I know you guys listen. I'm not calling your kid a crotch goblin. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess uh, we'll go ahead and move on. We're sitting here about 23 minutes, so. Oof, sorry. Oh, you're good. We're, you know, shooting the shit. Yeah. So. Opening the bottle. All right. So this week we are doing another Knob Creek whiskey. Um, this is the Knob Creek Rye. Um, let's see. It is. Uh, like I said earlier, while Megan's finding that, we've been on uh, quite the bourbon kick lately. So, and frankly, I don't have a ton of non-bourbon things in the uh, cabinet that we haven't done. So I figured I'd break one out now, and I know I have at least one more, but I guess I'm going to have to go to the liquor store, make a make a pit stop. Yeah. Well, here is the uh, information about the Knob Creek Rye from the Knob Creek website. It says, 
the highest quality rye grains create the hardest working rye whiskey. This 100 proof Knob Creek rye pairs traditional rye spice with our signature Knob Creek sweetness. Its high corn mash bill makes it perfect for the bourbon drinker looking to add a rye to their liquor cabinet. Just ask the judges of the 2016 World Spirits Competition who named Knob Creek the Knob Creek rye the world's best rye. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, Knob Creek is a Kentucky uh, brand. It is produced by the Beam Suntory, uh, which is uh, the Jim Bean Distillery in uh, Claremont, Kentucky. Um, and it is also, what I didn't know, a subsidiary of Suntory Holdings, which makes Suntory Toki whiskey, which is my favorite uh, Japanese whiskey that we've done. I believe that was episode one. Yeah, I think it was. Jeez. Um, yeah, I, I that reminded me of something real quick. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, I think I mentioned this last episode, Shelby and I are going to visit her brother in yes. Nashville. Yes, you did. And we have tentatively lined up a tour of the Jack Daniels distillery. Oh, that, so that'll be would be really cool. Oh, so cool. Um, so this is one of four Jim Beam small batch uh, brands targeted for the high-end liquor market. So the Knob Creek, uh, then they also have the Bookers, the Bakers, and Basil Haydens. Or Basil Haydens, if you are across the pond. I picked that up from Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I, I got I got in a spell of watching a bunch of cooking shows, and I love Gordon Ramsay. He and he calls it Basil. I mean, yes, I love Gordon Ramsay too. He's amazing. So I've been smelling while Megan's been talking, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling here. I will admit, um, I um, I just came from watching the race with Shelby and some of our trivia folk, and had a couple cigars while I was there. So my my nose palette might be a little tainted. Um, I also made a boo-boo today. You're not supposed to drink coffee before you go on a whiskey tasting. It apparently messes with everything. Um, and I have had a lot of coffee today. Um, normally, I do not drink coffee on Sundays, but it was one of those days. Um, why, why don't you normally drink coffee on Sundays specifically? Because we do the podcast. Oh, I thought you just meant like, yeah, I don't, I was thinking like in the morning or something. No, I I normally just try to stay away from coffee all day on Sundays just to make sure I don't fuck up my palate. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. I I don't drink coffee, so I'm a a weirdo. Um, so as I'm smelling or trying to smell, I'm getting like a smoky tobacco, maybe, um, some definitely some sort of smoke. Um, the only thing I'm able to really call it is tobacco. I don't know if that's the right. So, thing. <laughs> funnily enough, I'm getting smoky tobacco as well. But I promise you, it is not the whiskey. It is my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I can still smell the cigar on my fingers. So I've had to change hands to my left hand. Well, I have not had any cigars today, and I'm getting smoky tobacco. Um, so maybe, maybe it is partly the whiskey and it's not just your fingers. 
maybe it is. Um, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling to pick anything out on this. I get a little bit of little bit of nose burn, but nothing. It it smells like whiskey. Yeah, I just got like, a little whiff of some kind of fruit, just subtle. And I apologize if you guys can hear my intense like sniffing in the microphone. I keep forgetting to move away from it. No, I don't even. I don't think they do. Um, if you hear mine as well, like, oops, sorry. Yeah, I, I would say like some kind of florally. Fruity, very, very subtle, um, but that, I can't pinpoint what it is. Yeah, so. This one's stumping us. It really is, but if you, I don't know, you saw me if you're on YouTube, I stick my nose all the way in the glass, um, and I like breathed in and out. <laughs> Broke Tyler. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was a struggle. <laughs> Um, I stick my nose all the way in and I breathe in and out. And when I'm breathing out, I'm kind of getting more of, um, more different smells than, uh, just the whiskey and smoky tobacco that I was getting. Um, I'm going to have to try it again to tell you the smell I smelled, but, uh, let's uh, not smelt as we have learned. That is when you melt an ore or uh, metal. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. I, I know for the first 75 episodes, I said I smelt this, um, but the proper verbiage is smelled. So when I breathe out, the smell I'm hit with is like Granny Smith apples, specifically the really bitter Granny Smith green apples that you would use for like cooking with. It's not an apple you just want to like chomp into. Okay, yeah, I get it. That That's what that subtlety I was smelling was. I couldn't place it, but yeah, that's exactly it. So I, um, it smells like whiskey, a little bit of smoky tobacco, and Granny Smith sour apple. So now that you've said it, I realize when I smell it, it I, I smell it, in, I smell the apple immediately, and then it overpowers me with like the burn. It, you know, it burns my nose. So. Yeah. It is a rise, so I expect a little kick. Yeah. Um, so, um, looking at Knob Creek's website, they literally make it as vague as possible, saying expansive notes of herbs and rye with nuances of oak, which is not at all helpful. Um, but if I go to this other website, one that I use fairly often, um, it says that they smelled fresh cracked rye grain, green apple, charred oak, and a smoky syrup. So, I mean, I guess we kind of got it right-ish. Uh, we got the green apple. Um, though I, I want to go more specific and say that it's a, it's a Granny Smith apple. It's not just a regular old green apple. Um, charred oak. And the smoky syrup, maybe I'm combining those and making that the, like, smoky tobacco. Um, and fresh cracked rye grain, I mean, that's just, it, it, it just smells like whiskey. So, I just pulled up another one. hmm And I am very, very interested. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is a different Knob Creek rye. Apparently, it was the small batch. So... It said ginger, and I was like, what? <laughs> no. No. Um, 
Have you tasted it yet? I have. What? What am I tasting? Uh, Knob Creek Rye. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> um, I I just had one sip. I I didn't. I just got a lot of burn, frankly. There is one really distinctive, weird ass flavor that I'm really struggling to figure out what it is, but it's very very unusual. Um, I got a little bit of citrus in there. I feel like maybe, maybe that's like green apple flavor towards the middle. Uh, the front was kind of, um, I don't want to say dull, uh, but it was, it was. The front is pretty bland. Yeah. It, it, it was muted. Um, and then there is a, that green apple, um, in the middle, but the end the finish I'm getting, I think it's nutty. It's some sort of nut. Um, nutmeg. No, nutmeg is not a nut. That's a spice. I know. I'm being a smart ass. <laughs> yeah, you are. Inside joke. <laughs> um, I don't know what kind of nut. Okay. Macadamia it, nut, it's almond. Definitely something. It's There's weird. definitely a hint of like uh, menthol or minty. Spearmint, that's the word I'm looking for, like a spearmint kind of burn to it. Uh, it's not overpowering by any stretch. Um, yeah, I am I know what you're talking about. I get that flavor 100%. I don't know if I could assign a nut to it, but... I, it, it is a nut of some sort. I know I've tasted this nut in mixed nuts. Almond? Nope, not Cashew. almond. Nope. Pistachio. No, I wish. That'd be nice. Peanut. It honestly might be peanut. Peanut. Oh, this it, might not be good if you're allergic to peanuts. Um, Apparently the word allergic gives me trouble. That's right. As long as you don't call them allergy eaters. I've never heard that. I know several people who call algae eaters allergy eaters. All right, then. <laughs> People be dumb, man. People be dumb. You you can't fix stupid. Quote uh, Ron White. And I apologize if you do listen to this show. <laughs> but that is dumb. <laughs> you need to go check out Megan's face after I said that on YouTube. Um, It might be peanut. It doesn't taste like peanut butter, but it might be just regular old peanut. Okay. I'm I don't know. I'm I can see where you would get nut for sure. I don't know about peanut. I Oh. I wonder if it's a pine nut. Ooh. I've I've had pine nuts. So this person says the palate is white pepper, citrus rinds, vanilla, Pine effervescence. They decided to pull up the thesaurus for that one. And oak. I wonder if it's a pine nut that I'm tasting. Might be. I have some pine nuts in the cabinet in there. Maybe we could compare after. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've only had a couple pine nuts on their own. Usually I use it to make homemade hummus. Uh, not hummus, homemade um, pesto sauce. Hmm. I 
I'd be interesting to eat a pine nut after this. I bet you that is what I'm tasting. I'm always curious how. I'll I'll agree with the pepper. Uh, that kind of kind of goes hand in hand with that winter green, but there is a distinct peppery flavor. Um, but I don't understand how people say, "Oh, this is white pepper," or you know, black peppercorn. Like, how the hell do you know yeah, the difference? What the fuck, you just sitting there like eating black peppercorns and white peppercorns just to taste them. Now I can tell with the Szechuan pepper. That's got a citrusy flavor to it. I've had a lot of Szechuan pepper. I like to put it on my steak, so. So my uncle, who is a chef, can taste something like a sauce or whatever, and he can pick out every ingredient that's in there. That's incredible. And, yeah, like, so I understand there are some people that can just do that. Like, Gordon Ramsay obviously would be one who he would, like, taste it, and he'd be like, well, this is paprika and garlic and milk and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I am not one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there, though. Um, All right. Well, that's that's an interesting mix. I'm excited. I I found another online, and it's a lot um, more general. It says bold rye spiciness with undertones of vanilla and oak. The finish is warm and smooth with spice throughout, which I would agree with that. I don't really yeah. get much vanilla, but I I get that earthy, oaky note. I mean, it's it's whiskey. It's always going to have that a little bit. So, um, Definitely right. getting more nut if you like burp. Yeah? <laughs> it's gross, but like I taste the nut. Okay. Well, I'll try to make myself burp at some point and try not to do it in the microphone. Yep. But all right. I guess... Uh, On that note, we'll just move it right along. It's time for the Wonder Segment. All right, so. I've been looking forward to this for a couple weeks now. Yep, well, if if you listened two weeks ago, uh, for the first time ever, I think, I spoiled what a topic would be. Um. This week, we're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, If you haven't listened uh, to episode 74, I believe it was. Let me double check that real quick. Yeah, it would be 74. Yep, 74. Then I would strongly suggest go back and listen to that. Um, Matter of fact, pause this one if you are, and it'll it'll make a lot more sense. So go listen to 74. And we talked about the Bay of Pigs invasion there. that's going to basically catch up to where we're going to start today. Uh, you, If you have listened to it, you're going to recall we talked about how the U.S. and the USSR were in the midst of the Cold War with each side, you know, trying to spread their own political system and while preventing the other one from spreading theirs. And we talked a lot about the Cuban history and basically why the relationship with the U.S. was very rocky at the time and why they were open to allying themselves with the USSR. And then we talked about the failure at the Bay of Pigs. President Kennedy's first real test and not not a good passing grade. But today we're going to jump in and we're going to start talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis now that we've set the stage. So if you haven't listened, again, that was episode 74. Stop. Stop here. Go back and listen to that, and then come back here once you're done. 
After the failed Bay of Pigs invasion, Kennedy's administration looked weak and indecisive, and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev attempted to take advantage of this. In July of 1962, he and Cuban dictator Fidel Castro secretly agreed to place Soviet nuclear missiles in Cuba. This agreement helped both sides. Castro wanted to support, uh, I'm sorry, he wanted the support to help prevent any future invasions from the U.S., a la Bay of Pigs, while Khrushchev wanted nuclear warheads uh, located in the U.S.'s backyard. Everybody win. Before we get much further, let's take a look at some of the nuke numbers and where the U.S. was actually storing its nuclear missiles at the time. And obviously some of this information was a little hard to find because, you know, they don't really... Nukes. Yeah, nukes. They don't want to tell you where they're at. Or if, yeah, no, we lost them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go back. Uh, what what episode was that? Um, That was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. Uh, I don't have that page up right here. Keep accidentally pulling up. Uh, that is episode 71, Thank Lost you. Nuclear Weapons. Megan taught us all about that. So, Yep. Um, in 1960, when Kennedy was uh, running for president, uh, one of his critical election issues that his platform you know, talked a lot about was the quote-unquote missile gap between the U.S. and the USSR. Obviously, the general public doesn't have the knowledge that the insiders do in Washington. So, But uh, at that time, actually, uh, the U.S. actually had many more nukes than the Soviets. In fact, it's thought that the Soviets only had four intercontinental ballistic missiles, or ICBMs, uh, in 1961. It's thought that the U.S. had over 100 and were constantly churning out more. So, essentially, the public was misled for political gain. Oh, I wonder when else that's happened. I, my, <laughs> where have I heard this story before is my next line. Um, anyways, by 1962, uh, some U.S. intelligence suggested that the USSR had, quote-unquote, dozens of ICBMs while other intel suggested they had as many as 75. Despite not having nearly as many ICBMs as the, uh, the Soviets did have around 700 medium-range ballistic missiles, but the U.S. largely considered these to be unreliable and inaccurate. To contrast that, the U.S. had been killing it in the world of missile production, and by 1962, the U.S. had... 170 ICBMs. They had eight submarines with the capability to launch 16 Polaris nuclear missiles each. So let, let's do some quick math there. 16 times eight. Oh, that's more than I can do in my head. That's 128 missiles launched from submarines. Uh, um, the Polaris missiles uh, were missiles that had a range of 2,500 miles. So they could load 16 of those bastards on a sub, get it 2,500 miles away from Moscow, and yeah, not a, not a fun time to be a Soviet either. So now where were all these missiles stored? Well, that we'll probably never know the full answer to. Uh, but in regards to our topic today, many of the U.S.'s medium-range ballistic missiles were moved into Italy and Turkey in 1962. 
or at least in the 60s. Uh, they were there in 1962. Literally in the Soviets' backyard, pointing at them. You can kind of understand why they were a little concerned. You never point a loaded gun at a person unless you expect to use it. Yep. Uh, honestly, I'm going to go a step further. You never point a gun, period, at anything you're not willing to destroy. That's one of the four rules of rules of gun, gun ownership yep, yep. or gun handling. Um, obviously, the Soviets didn't take very kindly to this. And in response, the Soviets made the agreement I mentioned earlier with Castro and placed a chunk of their 700 medium-range missiles in Cuba in October of 1962. Sometime during the summer of 1962, during routine surveillance flights, U.S. intelligence observed 28 Soviet bombers and a, quote, general buildup of Soviet arms on the island. On September 4th, President Kennedy issued a public warning to the world, a.k.a. to the Soviets, against the introduction of offensive weapons in Cuba. Basically, he said, don't do this. Well, on October 14th, 1962, they did that. Two U.S. U-2 aircrafts took photos clearly showing that sites for both medium and intermediate-range nuclear missiles were under construction in Cuba. This information was presented to the White House the next day, October 15th, and officially kicked off the Cuban Missile Crisis. Green flag waving. Kennedy's response was to pull together nine members of the National Security Council and five other of his trusted advisors, and he formed the Executive Committee of the National Security Council, a.k.a. XCOM. And that's COM with two M's. XCOM met for several days while the task of choosing the, with the task of choosing the proper response to the aggression. Originally, six ideas were discussed. Number one, do nothing slash issue a stern warning. The thinking here was that the U.S. was already vulnerable to Soviet missiles, so what else is new? Uh, option two was to try to diplomatically pressure the USSR into withdrawing the missiles. Sorry, guys. I, I made a typo there, and I put U-S-S-S-S-R. <laughs> How many S's? I put four S's and a lowercase r. What in the USSSR. United Soviet States of Soviet Russia. Uh, oh, God. And he just like attacked me. Um, so uh, number two was to try to, to diplomatically pressure the USSR into withdrawing the missiles. Uh, number three was to secretly meet with Castro and issue him an ultimatum of ending his alliance with the Soviets or be invaded. Number four was invade Cuba. Number five was use the U.S. Air Force to destroy the missile facilities. And number six was to use the U.S. Navy to block any missiles arriving in Cuba. Like any good uh, government, uh, anything government related, they debated for days. And, you know, in this situation, they didn't have days, but whatever. Uh, the choice was narrowed down to the final two, the, uh, air, use the air force to destroy the missiles or the Navy to block the missiles arriving to Cuba. 
Uh, President Kennedy decided he wanted to avoid any sort of declaration of war, and he chose to order a naval quarantine, quote-unquote, of Cuba. Since this was technically a quarantine and not a blockade, it was legally not an act of war. Um, the U.S., uh, because it wasn't an act of war, the U.S. could receive sp- support from various organizations worldwide. Um, but if they had formed a blockade, that was considered an act of war. Can't, uh, you know, that not good. Not good when somebody's pointing nuclear missiles at you. Kennedy also wrote a letter to Khrushchev, and he told him that the U.S. would not permit offensive weapons being delivered to Cuba, and he demanded that all of the missiles, uh, that all of the missile bases that had been constructed or that were under construction, be dismantled, and all of the offensive weapons be returned to the USSR. The evening of op- October twenty-second, President Kennedy addressed the uh, U.S. on national television. It in- he informed the nation of what had transpired and the U.S.'s response, and he sternly echoed the Monroe Doctrine, essentially saying that if Cuba launched any nuclear missile at any Western Hemisphere country, the U.S. would take that as a declaration of war from the USSR and would retaliate in full. Behind the scenes, the Joint Chiefs of Staff were already making plans for an an invasion of Cuba if necessary. So a quick history lesson because I had to look it up while I was researching, but I don't have this in my notes. If you don't remember what the Monroe Doctrine was, it was essentially, I forget what his first name was, President Monroe, basically declared to the world, um, Europe stays out of the Western Hemisphere. We don't want your wars and your bullshit over here. We've got our own shit we've done. Um, so Kennedy just kind of echoed that in his address to the nation and to the world. Khrushchev responded on October 24th, stating that the U.S. quote-unquote blockade was a, quote, act of aggression. He also stated the Soviet ships headed for Cuba were told to proceed as planned. However, on October 24th and 25th, several Soviet ships turned away from the quarantine line, while others were stopped and searched by the U.S. and allowed to pass after it was revealed they had no offensive weapons. U.S. intel was showing that many of the missile facilities were now functioning and the U.S. forces were placed at DEFCON 2. I didn't know what DEFCON 2 meant. It means war is imminent. Oops, scrolled too far. On October 26th, President Kennedy told his advisors that he believed the U.S. would need to attack Cuba to remove the missiles, but he also insisted on giving the diplomatic strategy more time. Despite the apparent stalemate, on that afternoon, a Soviet agent approached the White House through an ABC News correspondent and suggested that a compromise could be made where the Soviets would remove their missiles if the U.S. promised not to invade Cuba. Later that evening, as the White House attempted to validate what this Soviet agent had said, Khrushchev sent a message to Kennedy. It was obviously an important message because it was sent in the middle of the night in Moscow. And it basically said, no, I'm sorry, and it said, word for word, quote, if there is no intention to doom the world to the catastrophe of thermonuclear war, then let us not only relax the forces pulling on the ends of the rope, 
Let us take measures to untie that knot. We are ready for that. The intel in the U.S. was convinced that this message came from Khrushchev and briefly that a resolution appeared within reach. But on the next day, October 27th, a second message was received stating that any proposed deal also must include the removal of the U.S. Jupiter missiles from Turkey, which were those medium-range missiles. Also on October 27th, one of the U.S.'s U-2 planes was shot down over Cuba. President Kennedy and his advisors began planning, began ramping up the planning for the invasion of Cuba, planning to invade within days if diplomacy failed. Kennedy and his advisor, advisors all agreed that in his response to Khrushchev, he should ignore the second message and respond only to the first, playing the old, wait, I never got that, <laughs> you know? Uh, Kennedy responded with proposed steps for the removal of the missiles from Cuba with United Nations supervision, and in return, he guaranteed that the U.S. would not attack Cuba. Despite only responding from the initial message, or despite only responding to the initial message, U.S. Attorney General Robert Kennedy, uh, brother of, you know, John Kennedy, secretly met with the Soviet ambassador to the U.S. and informed him that the U.S. was planning to withdraw the Jupiter missiles from Turkey within a few months anyway, and that the U.S. would speed that process up, but it couldn't be part of any public resolution. Essentially, we'll, we'll compromise with you, but we're going to save face. The next morning, Khrushchev issued a public statement saying that the USSR would dismantle and remove all missiles from Cuba. Despite the crisis officially being over, the U.S. continued their quarantine of Cuba until Soviet bombers removed, were removed on November 20th. Remember at the very beginning, the first signs they saw were the bombers. Um, in April of 1963, the U.S. removed all of its Jupiter missiles from Turkey, and the Cuban Missile Crisis came to a close. Now... I know what you all are thinking. Well, that was very short. Why couldn't you have put that in two weeks ago? We're not done. This is one of the closest, if not the closest time the world has ever come to nuclear war. When all was said and done, Kennedy's appearance was strengthened after initially appearing indecisive and weak at the Bay of Pigs. Other than political images, two very unique and important results were achieved as well. Firstly, both sides begin to realize the consequences of nuclear war after having come so close. This was ultimately the first step towards the decline in the nuclear arms race and the agreeing on a nuclear test ban treaty. The second result was the establishment of the hotline. The hotline is a direct telephone line between the Kremlin and the White House. It became very clear after the crisis was over that through all of the direct and indirect channels of communication, it was hard for both Kennedy and Khrushchev and all of their advisors to understand what the other's true intentions were. So the result was the establishment of direct communication between the White House and the Kremlin. I wonder if they still have that telephone on. I wonder if it's a landline. It would, I mean, it, it would Probably have, have to, be to be a landline. Yeah. 1960s. Well, I mean now. Oh, nowadays? Yeah, I wonder if we still have it and if it's a, still a landline. I don't know. I mean, now we have access to talk to anyone, like, immediately from anywhere, so. Yeah, but I'm sure they have it as a backup in case. Probably. Cell service goes down. Um, 
All in all, this could have been it for most of humanity, yet somehow Kennedy and Khrushchev were able to navigate the situation to a peaceful solution. I feel like we're sailing towards those same waters again, and I hope our leaders can guide us away from nuclear war a second time. I think it's very, very important to not only give credit to Kennedy, but to also give credit to Khrushchev. I mean, it was a two-person dance, so... Well, it was a mini-person dance, but those were the two main dancers. Um... Now, again, you might be thinking, well, that was pretty short. Yeah, and this is, it's done. If you remember from last week, I said we'd also be taking a quick look at Operation Mongoose as well. Well, here goes. Operation Mongoose was a secret CIA program against Cuba with the goal of helping the, the Cuban citizens overthrow the communist government in a revolt that would take place by October of 1962. Essentially, it's some more shady CIA stuff. The CIA we were doing a lot of shady shit back then. Oh, yeah. The CIA is always doing shady shit. The CIA realized that Fidel Castro was, quote, uh, I'm sorry, the CIA realized that Fidel Castro, quote, was going to need to be dealt with, end quote, as early as January of 1960, before Kennedy was in office. However, the CIA also didn't want either of Castro either Castro's brother, Ra- Raul, or Che Guevara, who was like their right-hand man, uh, they didn't want either of them taking his place as they feared they would be a worse threat than Fidel. So a council was formed and planning uh, was started. Apparently at these council meetings, there was no such thing as a bad idea. So I'm going to list a few things that were either deeply considered or attempted from Operation Mongoose. We're going to start with some normal things such as propaganda campaigns, including broadcasting anti-Castro radio programs. Uh, They destroyed sugar crops. They placed mines in the harbors, etc. Several false flag operations were even tossed out, with with the main ones being, quote, planned terror campaigns in Miami, other Florida cities, and D.C., which could then be blamed on Castro. Another idea was that if an issue arose with the Mercury space capsule and astronaut John Glenn, who was the first American to orbit the Earth, uh, and the mission ended up failing, the blame for the failure would be placed on Cuban communists. The plan even went so far as to actually manufacture pieces of evidence that would prove that the Cubans were involved. I guess the mission went off with a success, and they never had to do that. Um, But soon the ideas got more comical. As part of the propaganda campaign, fake photographs of Castro were circulated, showing him as obese in a lavishly furnished room. The goal of this was to make Cuban citizens believe that Castro was taking advantage of them. The CIA also spread uh, stories of historic, historic, not historic, heroic freedom fighters in an attempt to spur the citizens into rebelling. One attempt on Cat- at Castro's life came when the CIA equipped a Cuban official with a ballpoint pen that was rigged with a poisonous hypodermic needle. The plan never really got off the ground for two reasons. The first being that the Cuban official was not impressed with the device, saying, quote, surely the CIA can come up with something more sophisticated than that. The second reason was that the day the Cuban official was supposed to receive the pen was the same day that JFK was assassinated. The CIA was getting in their own way on this one. Or were they? Depends on what you believe about the JFK assassination. 
another came when the mafia, which we covered in episode 28, was contacted to assassinate Castro. <laughs> the government knew that the mob wanted its gambling casinos back, which if you'll recall from two weeks ago, when uh, pre- prior to Castro, a uh, guy named Batista was in power and Americans were kind of pillaging Cuba and the mob was at the forefront of that line. Um, so the, the mob wanted their casinos and whatnot back. And so a plot was formulated. Two mob bosses on the FBI's most wanted list, by the way, were paid $150,000 and they recruited a Cuban official who had access to Castro. The CIA provided him with six poison pills to give Castro. Several attempts were, uns- were made, but were unsuccessful, and the Cuban eventually got cold feet. The next one, uh, the next one only made it to the idea stage. It was too insane to even be attempted because Castro loved scuba diving. The CIA planned to place explosives in a large shell and paint it with exotic colors to attract Castro's attention. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it only made it to the idea stage, but like I said, there were no bad ideas in this meeting <laughs> or in on this council. The CIA also recruited one of Castro's mistresses to drop poison pills inside his drink, but she too got cold feet. Once Castro realized what she had been assigned, according to her account, and this probably exaggerated because the official document is a lot different, but I thought this was pretty good. Quote, he leaned over, pulled out his forty-five, and handed it to me. He didn't even flinch, and he said, you can't kill me. Nobody can kill me. And then he kind of smiled and chewed on his cigar. I felt deflated. He was so sure of me. He just grabbed me. We made love. In <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? The- I, I just thought that was, her account was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that... Um, Oh no, I'm sorry. That was something different. I remember reading there was a mistress of one of the one of the mob bosses, not one of the ones that was contracted to assassinate him, but one of the other mob bosses was also a mistress to JFK. And so there there's rumor that the mafia might have been the ones that had Kennedy killed, so um speaking of cigars though, we come to the final and possibly the most well-known and comical attempt on Castro's life. It's often referred to as the exploding cigar, but it's not quite that. A year after he seized power, the CIA sent a box of poisoned cigars to an unidentified person in 19... Uh, yeah, to quote an unidentified person in 1961 who was supposed to give them to Castro. It's not known what happened to them after that, but obviously they never made it to Castro. So I imagine that person said, well, he won't miss one. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, so, yeah, some of those were the, basically the CIA wanted cash for power. I read one quote where uh, the guy that was placed in charge of this operation uh, basically asked his, his superior, said, get rid of him. And he was like, what the hell does that mean? Do you want me to kill him? Do you want me to have him, like, run out? What? And he goes, get creative with it. And that was, like, his direction. So Well, Mission accomplished. That seashell idea is just my favorite thing. Let's I, paint it real pretty like. Yeah. I think, uh, honestly, it sounds like Castro was a very smart man. I don't think he would have fallen for that. I'm pretty sure he knew Cuba very well and knew what was, you know, 
supposed to be in the region. So I, he would have probably saw right through that. Um, one last little nugget, uh, baby Tyler nugget that's not in my notes. Uh, Castro estimated that he had been, he had avoided assassination 643 times in his life. Well, so. damn. Even if you cut that number in half, that's yeah. a fucking ton. That's a lot more than I've survived. <laughs> I don't. I was going to make such a horrible dark joke and I please can't. Please do. No, please do. Can't. Please. I want it. I'm probably thinking the same thing. You've already died twice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I survived. You did. Um, yeah, I, I don't. How famous do you have to be for it to be considered assassination? <laughs> That's the age old question, right? <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, think about this. Hold on. Joe Schmo on the streets gets shot by Joe Blow. Ah, it was a murder. JFK gets shot by Lee Harvey Oswald, supposedly. And it's an assassination. Like, what the hell? Where's the line, people? Anyway, that's what I got for you guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Anything? I liked it. Yeah? I liked it. All right. I uh, definitely learned a lot. I did not realize that it was so short. Like the Cuban Missile Crisis, I thought lasted way, way longer than it did. So when I originally started the research, it said it went on for a month. And then I started, I got into the Bay of Pigs and I was like, oh crap, I need to make this too. And then I got into the research this week and was like, oh, it lasted for a month because they didn't get the fucking planes out of there for a month. It was like five days. Yeah. Well, it was like 10 days, but it was, yeah, two weeks. I did not realize it was that short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mind blowing. I, I think the only other time uh, the world has come closer to nuclear annihilation is that. Uh, oh, excuse me. I just burped. I wonder if I got nuts. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that one's going on the at the end of the episode. Um, I can't even drink right now. I'm going to choke. Um, <laughs> damn, I lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> What was I saying? The only time uh, we've come closer to global nuclear annihilation. Yeah, the the Soviet submarine had a nuclear war, or at least one nuclear warhead on it, and the um on the on their radar, or their scanners, or whatever, they picked up a warning or something that the U.S. had launched a nuke, and the captain had orders to retaliate if that happened. It was and one guy. It one guy. He said something just doesn't feel right. And he made the call not to do it, and it turned out it was a error on the scanner on their equipment. So, yep. I think one dude saved the entire world. That's probably the uh, closest we've come. But anyway, let's move it on. Trivia with Tyler. I like this one. Uh, I like this one. The sixth Dalai Lama rejected living as a monk and instead spent his life womanizing, drinking, and writing love poems and songs. So, 
Uh, I thought to be the Dalai Lama, you had to be a monk. Well, he rejected it. He said, I'm going to have fun in this life. Okay. I mean, teach their own what ifs. We can, we can all take a... I'm not going to slut shame over here. Yeah, we can all take a page, enjoy life a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not as much as he did, but you know. Final thoughts. So, I literally added three drops of water. I counted them. One, two, three. And literally turned this whiskey into water. It oh. lost its front end. Are it you lost Jesus? It, I, I'm opposite Jesus, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did water to wine. Yeah, I just turned whiskey to water. Well, that's dangerous. I Like, it lost its front. It lost its middle. There's a little hint at the end. But other than that, I get zero flavor from this with water in it. Uh, I just smelt, smelled, sorry, I just smelled it, and there's a lot less punch in the in the nose burn. Yeah, I mean, I literally, like, I don't taste anything other than a tiny little hint there at the end. It's like fucking water. It definitely took the burn away. Um, I got, mm, let me try that again. It's such a mild flavor, like, I it I don't know what is this juice? It definitely got milder. Um the burn is still there but it's not nearly as intense. But there's a a new player's entered the game. Uh I get sweet. I get like some vanilla, maybe not sweet, but vanilla flavor right in the middle. But it's so faint. Like everything yeah, is so Yeah, it's it's faint. it's there and then it's gone. Yeah. So but yeah, it's it definitely knocked it down. Uh, it knocked it down a lot. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to come up with a metaphor there and failed. Um, I would, if I had somebody that wanted whiskey that wasn't a whiskey drinker, I would give them this with an ice ball. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's where I would be. Um. All right, well, what you thinking? You're swirling and swishing, and I see you. I see the cogs turning over there. Uh-huh. I can see everything but the smoke coming out of your ears. Like, please get some more flavor. I'm trying to remember uh, how much I liked it before the water, because the water definitely like knocked it down quite a bit. Yeah. Um. I know you're uh, obviously. Whoa, excuse me. Obviously, here on whiskey and wonder, we don't necessarily want to drink bland whiskey. Even if it's something we don't necessarily like, we want some flavor. Yeah. So we want, I, we I want something there. Um, I mean, shit, I don't know. I think originally, before I put the water in this, I thought it was like middle of the road. However, the water has made it so unremarkable that I'm going to give it a three. This is a three. All right. You Megan, better knob creek. Megan getting a little harsh on you there. Um I I don't think it's it's 
knocking it down as much for me as it did you. I don't know if that has something to do with you got to sip on it a lot more than I did. Um, and I also, vanilla is one of my favorite flavors. So I do get a decent amount of vanilla in this. Uh, even though it does kind of pass quickly, it's still noticeable. Um, you know, and and obviously what I'm talking about is after adding water. Prior to the water, little, uh, it was okay. Yeah, it, it was it was, it, was, it was all right. Um, after the water, it got a. I don't even want to say it got a tick better. It's still, it's okay. Um, but it just kind of transitioned more into my palate and what I like. So for that reason, uh, I was kind of leaning between four and a half, five-ish, four, somewhere in that range. Um, and I'm going to give it a little, yeah, I know you took off for the water. I'm going to give it a slight bump up. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Okay. I have one more complaint. This also does not taste like a rye at all. Um, well, it did say for the bourbon drinker. It did. That is true. That is Which true. Which might be why I enjoy it a little more than you. Yeah. Because I, you like rye, and I tend to choose bourbons yeah. or scotch more. So I mean, that is very true. That might be where that's coming from because I love rye, and this uh, did not taste like a rye, and that was... Also disappointing. The nose is heavy vanilla. It was. Once you add that water. Yep, once you add the water, that is very heavy vanilla. Well, yeah. All right. Not great. Eh. Yeah. Um, oh, I failed to mention this at the beginning, uh, and I want to apologize. Guys, I'm so sorry. Uh, this has been in my cabinet for quite a while. Um, we've had so many other things that we've been excited to do. Somebody gifted this to us. It's been there for so long. I don't remember. I need to start writing a little tag on it when we get gifted something. If you gifted this, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yes, we don't remember you. Yeah, I can't remember. It was, but uh, honestly, I think it was around Christmas time. And, you know. Could uh, have been anyone. I, yeah, I can't remember what I did yesterday. So I have forgotten who gifted that to us. We've had several. Uh, so if you did gift us the Knob Creek Rye, thank you so much. Um, yeah, that was, that was the only other thing I wanted to add. Got anything else? No, no, nothing at all. Uh, I think it's about time we wrap up. All right then. Well, this was, this was fun. Episode 76. We've done 76 of these. So, wow. Uh, we'll be back Look next week go. for 77. We will. We will see you next week for 77, which is my week. And I think. I already know what I'm doing, and I think I'm excited for it. So, yeah. Um, I think we should possibly talk about what you and I talked about a couple weeks ago off air. Maybe. I don't remember. A certain type of topics. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say it then. Megan's clueless. So, Megan and I were talking, and I know we've said on here before that. There's a billion, jillion, you want to talk about it? Okay. Uh, no, you keep going. Keep okay. going. There's a billion, jillion uh, true, cr- true crime podcasts out there. And I'm 
not the most interested person in the world in them, but there are ones that do occasionally, you know, pique my interest. And Megan did one. She, uh, that was episode, um, uh, hold on. I'm sorry. You guys don't want to hear me sit there and do that. Oh, I don't have the Jeopardy music. I've been trying to find it, but I can't <laughs> find a good one. It's all people have recorded it on TV. Episode 65, The Disappearance of Chris Kermers and Lis- Lis- Lisanne Froon. Um, so we did that, and it was a good one. It was well-received. It was super well-received. Um, so I told Megan, you, you guys won't get it from me, um, but I told Megan, she, I know she loves that stuff. I love true crime, I, murder. I will... I will Happily listen if that's what people want to hear. So it's not going to be exclusively true crime because I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, you know, Megan Megan might pop in with some true crime here and there. Yes. I, I know you you talking about your topic reminded me. I didn't know if it was going to be something true crime or not. It is not going to be okay. anything true crime next week. But I am excited that we are, I don't want to say permission because I don't want to. Yeah, no, I didn't want I don't to say make it sound either. like. Yeah. You we're, like we're forbade trying, me, but yeah, we're trying to respect each other's interests yeah. in, in a way. So, you know, we, we don't want to have one of us sitting over here. Like miserable. Yeah, yeah. Like checking their phone and all this other crap. So, um, you know, it, it, we're just trying to expand and bring new people yep. into, into the audience. So yeah, we need, um, uh, Hey, got to grow. Yep. And it's a hot market. It is a very hot market and it's, uh, I mean, I love to to crime. To crime. I love to crime. You like to crime, huh? Oh shit, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoy listening to true crime shows and documentaries and stuff. So I definitely uh, will be doing more crime topics as time goes on. Um, have a couple that I would like to do in the future, but I don't know when. Uh, so just, yeah, stick around. Um, I know a couple of our listeners right now do listen to true crime podcasts as well. So hopefully you'll, uh, enjoy that new, I guess, wonder genre that we're going to explore. Yeah. I'm going to explore. And, you know, I've got a perfect topic for you in that realm. Ooh. The, the current one, the escaped convict and the waddle prison Uh. guard. That is a really good one. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so you guys look forward to that. We're going to, yes. we're going to bark up that tree a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, well guys, thank you so much. We are going to go ahead and sign off and we will see you next week for episode 77. Um, thank you guys so much for everything you do. Like us, share us, rate us, review us, do all the amazing, wonderful things. Send us an email. We love you so much. Um, Don't drink and drive. And cheers. I wonder if I got nuts.